Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado. I am a photographer here in beautiful, sunny Miami, Florida. And each week, I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. Today's guest is Frankie Ruiz, a name that is synonymous with running in Miami. Frankie is the co-founder of the Miami Marathon, a Nike Run Club coach, and organizer of eight different run clubs all over Miami, including Miami Run Club, South Beach Run Club, and more. On today's episode, Frankie and I talk about his experience launching the Miami Marathon and growing it for 17 plus years into the destination it has become with more than 20,000 participants each year. We also talk about the incredible impact things like Brickle Run Club are having on the community, the incredible inspiring stories coming out of those events, and we even talk about the unlikely story of how Hurricane Andrews and the debris it left behind was the defining moment that put Frankie on the path of organizing events. So get ready for a fun and exciting journey through Frankie's life, his love for Miami, and all the ways he is making this beautiful city we call home a better place. Frankie, welcome to the show, man. Awesome, man. Thank you for visiting us here. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Listen, when I was doing research and preparing for the interview, I was actually watching a TED Talk that you gave. And funny enough, the following video after, you know how YouTube does yeah, that thing? Yeah, they, like they, they tell they you what I recommend. And, exactly. Yeah, of course. It was actually a Nike ad that talked about greatness. And, <laughs> and I thought it was just like a perfect example of things coming together that yeah. just made sense because it was this commercial that like the quote said something about um you know we've come to believe that greatness is reserved for like the chosen few but that the truth of is that greatness is in all of us that it's not about lowering expectations and but instead it's about raising them for every single one of us and that because greatness is not just in one special person or one special place it's it's wherever people are looking for it and i just thought that was a <laughs> perfect thing to, to for youtube to segue into after your speech because i think you're the perfect embodiment of somebody who is allowing people in miami through everything that you do whether it's the miami marathon brickle run club south beach run club all of these things that we'll get into you're creating an environment for people to discover their own greatness so Congratulations on everything that you've done. Thank you, man. Thank you. No, that's pretty cool that that Nike ad came after. I'm, I'm also, full disclosure, I'm a Nike, uh, you know, uh, run club coach. Right. Been doing that for almost 10 years with them. And uh, their actually most recent campaign talked a little bit about that kind of stuff, which is the greatness should inspire others to do great. You know, exactly. I think that sometimes we think of it as a vacuum. We think, oh, you know what? That LeBron is the best basketball player and everyone that comes after him will be less than. And I think it should be the opposite. Everyone that comes after him should be even better. Give me a sneak peek of what, what does it feel like? What goes through your head when you look around and you see all the things that you've been able to accomplish for the running community in Miami and, and, and beyond? I hope that as I'm talking here and, and uh, it doesn't come across as, as the word I is used uh, uh, too much or instead I hope Everyone understands that from here forward, anything I'm referring to involves that uh, there was a, a, a bigger team with me and, and there has there is a bigger team around around the things I do. Sometimes I get the credit for it, but there's a, a lot of we in, involved. Of and, and I think uh, when I think back to you know 20 years ago, 
when we started the the Miami Marathon, the landscape, the way that Miami looked, a lot of different things happened. I can't say that that the Miami Marathon was the only reason why now everyone's out running, or any of the run clubs is the reason why everyone's out running. But I do get pretty pretty darn uh, excited and 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 filled with sort of this this humble pride in that we we changed uh, Miami, and uh, people are now on, on a Sunday or Saturday morning, hundreds and not thousands of people are are laced up with their running shoes and. And exploring their city um, and training for, you know, whatever it is, whether it's the Miami Marathon or some other race. So. Right. What is a day like or a week in the I, life of I think Friday? I embody kind of like the typical Miamian in a way because um, you can't describe what I do in a job description, which is which I think that says a lot about Miamians. You know, what do you do? And it can take, you know, 20 minutes to, to explain. But I sometimes have to kind of remind myself what I do. But I, I guess in taking a quick picture of, of a daily day for me is I work full-time at Lifetime, which uh, Lifetime is the um, uh, one of the largest health club uh, operators in, in the country. And they're actually opening up their first club here in, in, uh, in Miami or in Coral Gables, actually, in um, about eight to 10 months. Anyhow, they, they're my full-time employer. They acquired the Miami Marathon. So I still do what I did 20 years ago with them as, uh, as sort of the... Uh, the, the guiding light or, or the, the parent company. Uh, so that's my nine to five. Usually um, shortly thereafter, I, I run off to Belen. Um, you know, Belen uh, is where I coach cross country. Do that about 26 weeks a year. And then I also run off of, after that, I head over to one of the run clubs. We have eight different run clubs that uh, I, I head up. So whether it's uh, South Beach or Kendall or Brickle or West Kendall, Weston. I try to make it to one of them at least two or three times a week. So that's where my afternoons go or my late afternoons. And then, uh, and then I get home at, at some point. <laughs> so those are, those are some of the, the main things I do on a, on a daily basis. I also consult and help organize uh, several other 5Ks for some, a lot of local uh, charities or businesses that uh, have contracted me throughout the years. So I do a little bit of that. And um, I think... Uh, bunch of in-between stuff involving a lot of advocacy work takes up all the other extra free time I have. Right. So let's jump into the Miami Marathon. So, you know, you have this idea, what triggers it, the evolution of it, mm -hmm. how it's changed over time. Sure. I, I'll give you the, the, the quickest version of it, just because I feel like I've, I've said it um, so many times that many, many people, including some of your listeners, might have already heard it. But um, the idea was born from the fact that Miami just didn't have a race. Uh, it had one in the 70s and 80s. Every major uh, metro area had, at the time, its own form of a marathon. Um, whether it was a big one or a small one, they had something. We didn't have anything. But with, I guess you'd say, that you know, graduating from college or about to graduate from college uh, energy that some of us sometimes, uh, most people have, I was trying to figure out where, where I was going to turn next. Um, I always knew what I wanted to do, which was, do something that involved lots of people, <laughs> whatever that lots of people look like, whether it was involved in running or, you know, big events of some sort, I knew I was going to do something related to that. But uh, I graduated uh, from FIU. So I'm a proud FIU grad. And around that time I was in grad school as well. Um, I came across um, a, ma a magazine ad, triathlete magazine, actually showing this young boy that was racing triathlons with uh, Robin Williams. And his name was Rudy Garcia Tolson saw this ad and I thought to myself, heck, I'd like to show this this young boy's life uh, to some of the runners I was coaching at the time. I was a young coach at Epelin 
cross country. For those of you who don't know what cross country is, it's not track. It's uh, it involves uh, running through the country. I know that we don't think of Miami having much country, but it's grass or a trail or or whatnot. And um, and that uh, um, is one of actually one of the most popular sports in in school in high schools uh, around the country. People don't realize that either. But I was coaching for uh, you know a, a, a group of kids that were. They're fairly well-to-do kids, they're private school kids, and, you know, excuses are easy to come by. And this young boy represented, you know, the opposite of an excuse. He had no legs, you know, had suffered from Tarantum syndrome when he was a young, a young, uh, young boy. And um, I think at five years old, he had told his parents to cut him off. Anyhow, Rudy Garcia Tolson is someone I reached out to and I said, hey, can you come to Miami and, um, you know, talk to my high school team? Didn't necessarily talk directly to him because he's a 12-year-old. So I talked to his mom and his dad and they said, sure. They came over uh, with him or his dad came over with him and he spent a week in Miami and visited my high school team. And then I created a whole itinerary for him, my degrees in public relations. So I figured I'd use some of that. So I put out a few releases and I said, hey, there's a young boy. He's been on Oprah. He wears prosthetic uh, uh, legs to run. It's a pretty neat sight to, to see. And, and, and back then, someone without legs really had it had it tough. I mean, technology's advanced considerably now and right. um, you know, most people ended up in a wheelchair, but this young boy was walking around the mall and walking around restaurants and stuff and it was a sight to see. Anyhow, the week that we were here, um, uh, or that he was here rather on, I believe it was like a Saturday, um, we did a triathlon together. And uh, at the triathlon, there was uh, media covering it. Um, and um, one of the... Uh, photographers or stringers that was sent out was ha happened to be also the same guy asking the questions. So it was one of those, you know, weekend uh, assignments, but uh, you know, as God has it, it, it still made, uh, made its rounds and uh, people watched it. And one of the people that watched it was Javier Soto. He's um, actually just left, uh, you know, Miami. He used to uh, lead the Miami foundation, but Javier Soto saw this and uh, called me up and said, Hey, you don't really know me, but I'm, you know, I'm the uh, chief of staff to uh, the mayor. We'd like to meet this young boy. And I said, look, uh, I'll rush him over there, but we're actually in the Everglades now. Uh, we were uh, wrestling an alligator, one of those things that he <laughs> wanted, that Rudy wanted to do before he left. But I'll try to get him over there, and we did. And we sat through uh, uh, a meeting with uh, with the mayor and you know photo ops and all that stuff with his staff. And during that conversation, there was a, a question asked about distance and how far this Rudy uh, kid had had, uh, had run in his life. And he said, "Well, I've done five Ks, I've done ten Ks, but one day I want to do a half and a full marathon." And the mayor said, gosh, don't we have one of these here? You know, why don't you come run here? Um, you know, something to that extent. And, um, well, there was no marathon or half marathon in Miami. So uh, after that, um, you know, Javier and, and I got on the phone and we decided, you know, to, to figure out a way to, to create a marathon in Miami and um, had two partners that, that helped me with this and uh, had also some help from uh, Mayor Manny Diaz, Mayor Dermer. I was involved in politics uh, just as kind of uh, an assistant to some of these folks, uh, Manny specifically was was someone who who believed in me early on, and I was able to uh, leverage some of the the trust and relationship I had built with these uh, different elected officials to help me lock down twenty six point two miles of uh, city streets when I was twenty one years old. I think wow, you know, asking asking folks to you know shut down roads, um, you know, isn't easy, and you're in photography and and whatnot, so you know, like a film shoot or a photo shoot that just locked down just a few blocks. One of the movies at the time, Bad Boys 2, did that and uh, caused chaos here. And here I was asking for 26.2 miles. Um, but we did. And um, as they say, uh, you know, everything's history after that. But I think most of the the change that the race has has instilled and, and has 
has sort of been of itself has allowed us to grow from 3,400 runners that first year to now we're expecting in the 22,000 range. So, um, you know, it's 22,000 people that are coming to run a half or full marathon in Miami now because of, uh, of something that that young boy did. Um, wow. Yeah. So this, I want to go, I want to dig into that, <laughs> for, you know, that first, you know, marathon, right. you're like, as you said, you're kind of cashing in on a lot of this trust, putting something together. You, these are big asks for closing down the streets and everything. What's going through your head? I'm sure at some point you're like, man, is anybody going to show up? Like what's that morning of what, what's, yeah. what's it like? Luckily, I, I think social media wasn't around back then because someone would have, um, few someone's would have said, Hey, what is, what is this guy doing? You know, this guy doesn't know anything. I had put on one 5k race. So basically I went from driving a, a dinghy to saying I was going to drive a, a cruise ship. And I think there's, uh, uh, a whole lot of worry that comes with never having done something so big. But I had two partners that knew a little bit more about about putting on events. In fact, one of them had tried to do this earlier and 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 had to to pull the reins back on it. But it was one of those things that you learned as as you went along with it. It took us about twelve to fourteen months to actually unveil or I shouldn't say to actually produce the event that year. But uh, a lot of worry, a lot of you know, quick learning, going to other events quickly to, to not only promote, because we had to be in the promotion business and and produce to learn how the to organize something that, like this. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it was, a. I mean, I, I don't remember the other 17 years we've done this uh, or, <laughs> or so. Um, I remember that one vividly, you know, and, and luckily the weather was great and it was just the perfect launch um, for, for what's become, you know, a, a signature event in the city. I mean, I, I can remember a few conversations of people that just said, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Luckily, like I said, there was no social media. So um, nobody was posting this stuff, right? If not, I think the public officials would have said, hey, pull the plug on this. Um, but I think there's um, there was a moment where, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe we had like 2,000 people registered or something like that, that we said, all right, now we've got some funds to help pull this thing off. We, we've been hiring the right people that have done this in other places, uh, which was probably our first smart thing to do was bring in some of the best talent from other races that I have to give some credit, obviously to, to my partners at the time that that was one of the, the things they brought to the table. What I was bringing to the table was the relationships with the, the city officials and, and, um, and the trust that they had in me that I wasn't going to let them down. Um, so the commissioner Heyman's of this world, uh, commissioner Diaz, a lot of names that are still around politics, thankfully. And, uh, they had, they had that belief in me and, and I guess that gave me some strength and Javier Soto being one of those along the way with the government committee we set up at the time that, uh, just gave me this this reassurance that all right it's not going to be perfect but this thing's gonna gonna um, gonna happen i was reading that the miami marathon is one of the fastest growing marathons is that true yeah i mean i guess that term gets thrown around a lot um it was at one point growing uh relatively quick the industry itself has has leveled off a bit so depends when you read or when that article was published uh it's 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 a fast growing destination race at, right. that it has become uh, for a lot of latin americans but it's, I wouldn't say it's the, the fastest. I mean, there's races that, that, uh, that do a lot, a lot bigger numbers than we're doing. You know, we've had our, our challenges. We had challenges with weather down here. It's a little warm for a lot of folks that are, that are living up, up north. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's ranked well, but it's not, uh, it's not one of the biggest. No, not yet. What, what do you think? I mean, we're only, been... by the way, I will say this though. We're only 18 years old. So we're not even, we're going to be an adult now, right? Which is co um, compared to what? Like what, let's say like a Boston or so New I'll tell York. You, New York is going to, is going to be 50 years old next year. So everyone, and, and New York started with, I'm going to, I'm going to destroy this number, but I think something like 50 runners that first year in Central Park or something. 
Um, I should know that number, but uh, that uh, that should tell you, you know, that things do take some time. Boston's, you know, <laughs> hundred years old, so it's 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 a more than hundred years, hundred and thirty, hundred twenty years old. Um, so I think there's uh, there's some time for us. Of course, I always want to speed things up, but I think uh, you know things that grow slowly usually grow uh, grow to be successful. Good things take uh, time. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> but no, we've had we've had a few nice jumps throughout the years. We had a ING, which is a what everyone knew the race and name as ing was a title sponsor that helped kind of um give a lot of credibility to the event early on and then after that lifetime acquisition of the event uh also put it on the map and made us um you know that much more serious if you will of a of an entity because races when they first were in their heyday or like they say the running boom they were usually non-profit efforts our event is actually uh, was always set up as a for-profit and I think that way it wasn't dependent on government money. It wasn't dependent on, you know, uh, just donations. It needed corporate sponsors, corporate partners. It needed obviously registration money. And that has allowed us to, to stand on our own, right? So uh, one of the things we learned about from the Orange Bowl Marathon days was that in Miami, it, if the political climate was such that, hey, you know what? We're not putting it in the budget this year or, you know, there isn't enough donations to go around. We're not going to have this event. Uh, right. We were, everything, yeah. everything is riding on yeah. a few people that. Exactly. So, I mean, we got, we've gotten some help throughout the years, uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, some grants and stuff that we apply for tourist money, um, some in-kind services that, that have been around for a bit, but this event is put on basically, uh, privately and, and, uh, and it's still sort of seemingly owned by the public. This is, this is on, on, on public streets and, and whatnot. And we bring certain, um, economic impact that I think justifies that, you know, those inconveniences for a few hours on that Sunday morning. But uh, with the help of the INGs of this world and Lifetimes and Publixes and American Airlines and different partners we've had throughout the years, Baptist Health and all these, these uh, entities that are big names in our community, we've been able to make the race, you know, this, this serious entity that um, is here hopefully to stay forever. Looking down the road, what are, you, what are you hoping for? What are you kind of looking towards next steps? I'd like to find a balance uh, so that the race isn't entirely made up of out-of-towners. Um, we're seeing a lot more out-of-town folks come in. And, and I think like anything, you know, you look at some of the popular, I won't name any names, but popular areas of Miami that when they get saturated with tourists, everyone says, oh, that's a tourist thing. I'm not going to it as a local. So I, I want to make sure that the event still has its local roots and is authentic to its locals and at the same time attracts business uh, or, or visitors rather to um, to the race. So what's what's the current makeup in terms? Um, of we do about sixty seven percent of our business, uh, or, or the the race uh, brings sixty seven percent of its population from outside of Miami Dade County. Wow, it's a, it's a huge economic driver. I mean, close to twenty million dollars in economic impact every year. You know, and this is every year. This is not you know once in a blue moon game or once in a blue moon um, you know event. This is every single year, and I think. As a city, and hopefully it's public, some public officials are listening, we need to invest in events, not just running events, but in events that stick around every year and give back, whether it's in economic impact or charity every single year. It can't just be, you know, one-offs. So you also mentioned uh, eight different run clubs. So let's, let's dig into that. How do those come about? What, what are you doing day in and day out on those? What's coming down the pike? Yeah, so I think the run clubs, uh, when we first started, there, were, there weren't any. Um, there were some traditional ones, but as far as the, the format was concerned, um, being free, being open to anyone, uh, being held regularly uh, in, in places that you wouldn't otherwise expect them, 
wasn't, um, I don't want to say this in, in a bad way, but it was sort of your father's running club, right? It wasn't the, the young folks running club. And we made it that with the help of Nike and um, Baptist Health, we, we did um, uh, that first launch out of South Beach and there was three or four people that showed up. But we had this inkling that Miami needed this. And since then, um, we've grown into eight clubs. Brickle Run Club is one of the largest in the world that meets regularly, it's weekly, um, it's, it's still free. Never charge anybody a dime and, and we're out there 50 weeks out of 52 weeks a year. I think this, this inspired other clubs and other groups, which is what we wanted. We wanted running to grow and it, and it did. It sort of contributed to the, to the ecosystem. So Brickle Run Club, it's been around for how long now? Brickle Run Club is going to be 10 years next year, 10 years old. Um, South Beach is, is going to be 11. Um, and, uh, and what are the numbers usually like? So, so Brickle, it, it's, 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 it's quite impressive. It's sort of unbelievable it. when I say them and everyone's like, nah. And then when they come out, they're like, damn, you were right. Um, we do, we can do one night, you know, the weather during the day wasn't the greatest. We might do 250, 300 people when, you know, the planet's all aligned and, and everyone's got, you know, free Tuesday, we can see five, six, 700 people out there. Um, so I'd say on average is about 400 right now. Um, every, every week, uh, it's, it's, and it's impressive because it's Miami ish in that if you show up at six fifty, nobody's there. Like you have like five, 10, 50 people max. And you're like, oh, this is going to, this is going to bomb. I love standing next to like, you know, a, not a first timer, but like someone, I mean, a friend or someone else has never been there or a sponsor or somebody that's come by and they're like looking at me and like, is someone going to show up? And at six fifty nine the floodgates open up and people just start coming from the buildings and the trees and the cars and, and whatnot. And, and in true Miami fashion, everyone shows up, you know, fashionably, um, fashionably late. late. <laughs> um, but by seven Oh seven, which is usually when we, we like to take off your, your crowd is just huge. The energies is great. And, and it's everybody it's, it's young people, it's older folks. It's just, now we have disabled, uh, uh, athletes that have been joining us out there. We got several folks coming out in wheelchairs it's the most inclusive, one of the most inclusive activities. You have, you have black, white, Hispanic, and everybody just coming together. So inclusive that that I think um, if you're if you're from Miami, you haven't experienced it, um, you should. So it, it makes you feel all the right feelings towards why Miami is such a special place. That everyone can come together to do some running, which you know is 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 for some labor. <laughs> but um, I, I think if you if you Find yourself needing a refresh about Miami. This is this is a, a thing to experience. Forget the running. I mean, you've got perfume and cologne in the air. It's it's about people. It's about people connecting. It isn't about sweating it out. Although you will see some some faster folks. But my biggest group of the groups when we send them out is always the slowest runners, or what we call the sexy pace. And and that group, no matter what, is always the largest because it's it's people that are not just into running they're into miami or into meeting people or into which is what everybody you know should be of course into. so that sense um, of community right you know, it's a it's a neat experience and and i and i'm thankful that baptist health and fortune which is where we meet at the, the real real estate firm has taken you know this this risk of letting all these people just congregate in their parking lot every single tuesday whether it's raining whether there's a hurricane watch whether whatever it is we're there they only take they only take two weeks break and during the holiday time, just to give my pacers a break, give us a, a little bit of time to to reorganize, and um, and then we just shoot off again. And what's cool is that it's morphed into, I don't want to say we're a chamber of commerce or anything like that, but it's really kind of morphed into a catalyst uh, a group that helps businesses 
in the downtown Brickell area because we're ending um, at times in these businesses. We've learned how how to establish some of these partnerships. Um, you know, we end at Mary Brickell Village. We've ended at at restaurants. We've ended at um, even FIU's campus, the, the, the Brickell campus. We've ended just just about anywhere new or or established even that has reached out and we've established a, a partnership to bring people to show them something else, that, something that they may have not known. And then the regular nights that we just end at a at, at the same place where we started, um, then those people go eat somewhere on a Tuesday night, which is usually not the busiest night in downtown in Brickell. So we're, we're excited about that. Downtown Development Authority has helped us out a little bit with this stuff too. And the biggest thing <clears throat> that I think a lot of people don't realize is People like to go to like networking events and everything. And eh, yeah, sure, there's some value yeah. in that. But I always find that networking where business is not the primary, you know, purpose of why everyone's sure. there, yeah. whether it's a running club or a synagogue or whatever it is, it's you're you're connecting with like-minded individuals. Yeah. It's bound to happen. You do business with people you like all That's the time. Right. And so I'm sure that beyond where the run ends or where these people end up going i'm sure there's you know unseen effects of people doing business with each other that they met at the run club and sure. all of that stuff the one thing i'll say to that because you, you bring up the networking side of it um look the run clubs are not anything new right like they've been now around for years not just here in miami but around the country but miami needs this sort of stuff because this could be a difficult place for people that get here and think that because of the sun and because of the you know the great music and nightlife and whatnot, it's easy to connect with people. I think it's the opposite, a very intimidating place for a lot of folks. Um, language barriers, um, social socioeconomic barriers. I mean, there's a bunch of different things that that are seemingly um, difficult to overcome. And and a city like Miami, where I hear, I, I get the messages almost daily from a, a Facebook or Instagram. Hey, I'm new to Miami. Um, I don't know anybody. I'm here for grad school or I'm here for an internship or I'm here a new job. What do I need to do to join this group? And first thing that they'd love to hear is it's free. All I need you to do is fill out a waiver and and just show up. That's that's basically it. And to hear the stories after yeah, I got a new job from it or I found the wife or I found the husband or um, you know what? I just found my group, my tribe within the group is, is awesome. You know, I feel, I feel like a lot of folks have sort of graduated through the run club and they come back every so often. And that's that's perfectly fine, but um, Miami is probably one of the cities that needs more of this kind of stuff than most places. Um, you know, we don't typically say hi to each other, but at the Run Club, we do encourage it. Right. Um, we don't typically, you know, help each other out, and at the Run Club, we do say, you know, bring somebody in. Um, you know, put your thumb up when you're passing them. You know, uh, bring them along. So a lot of things that are em emblematic about about running at Run Club that could be applied to the way we drive, the way we right. we live daily here in Miami. So, Any inspiring stories that come to mind throughout the years, whether it's, as you were talking about, like some of the disabled, disabled people that are showing up or some of these connections or stories of somebody who met their wife or husband at Run Club, anything that kind of comes top of mind as something that you go, holy crap, this is amazing. There's a lot of micro stories that come out of this, right? That I hear constantly like, somebody stops me on the, on the road or a church or somewhere else and says, says, Hey, you know, you're the run club guy. Yeah. I'm the run club guy. You know, I just want to tell you that it's the best thing. And I, you know, I met my best friend there. I met those little stories are constant. Um, I, I remember some vividly, especially from the early days. Um, you know, a gentleman that talked about 
not being accepted in Miami. He's, he had um, dreadlocks and he wasn't, he felt, um, you know, like he didn't fit in Miami. This wasn't, you know, he was very artistic, very creative. He wrote me this long message and he goes, but I found my place with, through some of the people I met at the run club. And now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm into running. I'm, I've got friends and I want to thank you because like you guys brought me out of a dark place. Like I, and, I, and you hear that a lot. I wish I could, my own inspiring story I'll say is I met my wife through Run Club. So that, uh, you know, it's changed my life. I have a daughter now because of, of Run Club. So, wow. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah. Nice. So I think that that's probably my, my personal story. Which but, Run Club? Uh, I met her. So I met her at South Beach and, uh, and then she started her own Run Club over in, in Weston, which now is part of the, the group. And she impressed me with, with having started that. And you know, we didn't think anything of that, you know, necessarily romantically, but I just always kept, kept a, an eye on how successful she had been in that. And uh, years passed that we built a relationship because she was pacing, or we call it, uh, being a pacer at these run clubs, helping organize them at, at Brickle and some of the others I had around Gables and, and whatnot, and got to know each other and realized that, uh, that we had some of the same energy and some of the same, you know, goals in life. And, uh, you know, a few years back, uh, we started dating and, married uh two years ago and now we have uh a baby by the name of paulina ruiz and um which she goes by baby pr now and until she, <laughs> until she can talk and then she'll tell me otherwise but uh that's uh it's been all because of the, the run club so yeah wow that's beautiful yeah yeah so with all the stuff that you have going on you're still going home to so you said she's how old she's gonna be 11 months man. oh my yeah. god yeah. i mean i have a four-year-old and a nine month so i know exactly <laughs> where you are <laughs> four-year-old and a nine month wow you're not out of the woods, huh? <laughs> not, not by any means. I'm just looking into the woods right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. So let's let's dive into a little bit of that, in, into your background. Um, what's the road that led to, to where you are today? Look, very few people um, can say they've been doing the same or, or revolving their life around the same activity since they were nine or 10 years old. I can say that. And, and I make a living out of it. Running has been a part of me since that that age and uh, my dad is 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 one of those that introduced me to the sport my mom and dad were always very or still are very supportive of of the crazy idea that surrounds running um encouraged me to be at in cross country and track and play all sorts of sports and stuff like that so that had a profound in, in influence in me but i think one of the things that influenced me the most about what i do now is the fact that my my parents and, and my dad specifically loves miami and uh, showed me that love for all things Miami. And I think because Miami gave him so much when he was six years old, arriving here from Cuba, um, you know, the opportunity he found here, um, you know, not financially so much, but just the opportunity to, to have a, a, a healthy, um, you know, family and, and, and raise a, a, a family here. I think um, he's, he's forever grateful. So I grew up, you know, loving the dolphins and loving the hurricanes and loving everything that was about Miami was whether it was a sports team or, or the news. And so he, I would watch him just consume all the, all the information about Miami that brought me to where I am now, which is just thinking every day, how, not about how I can make money, but how I can make Miami better. And it sounds extraordinarily cheesy, but I just watched my dad do that um, in his own way. Um, he's not a philanthropist uh, professionally. He, he, he's basically a dedicated his, his life to helping others. And it just so happens to be in the process that to me translates to loving, you know, your community. And that's where I came from. I didn't want to leave uh, Miami. I, I regret a little bit, not, not going away for college, but 
I hate the cold. <laughs> that's that's a big uh, you know it's a big uh, problem for me. So I um, did grad school here, did did my undergrad here as well, and went to Belen for seven years. Went to public school before that. I think the most I've ever left Miami for was three weeks for my honeymoon with my wife, <laughs> and that's that's it. Never, never you're ready me. to come back to. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was reading the paper, you know, reading the PDF version because I love to still read the PDF version of the Herald, um, and and just. I, I feel like I'm missing out on something. I have FOMO of Miami constantly. Um, I don't get to do as much anymore because of the baby, but I feel like any uh, event, and I know some of the folks you guys have had on, on the show in the past, put on events and whether it's a running event or not, I, I like to be a part of it um, or, or, or pass through it. Um, not just as an event junkie, but just because I feel like the, the events are the DNA of a city. Of course. And um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I guess I came from. <laughs> And so what was it about running, you know, because you're, when you're growing up, there's, I mean, I remember you're trying so many different things, whether it's sports or music or whatever it is that you're into. It's rare that that young, you kind of like hit on something that goes on for the rest of your life. So what was it about running that, that you knew right away? Or did you know? I, I think at the time running, and it still sort of represents this for a young, young kid, um, it's the rebellious sport to pick right it's 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 the one that not everyone was interested in although they did it so naturally when they were young right like you ran around your parents house you you know you ran up and down the street you you ran at recess but when it became a sport most kids chose the team sport the safe i don't want to say safe safe sport but the the choice everyone else was making running running at the time and it's still again i i argue it's still there was different and and I've always trained my brain to be that way and and, and maybe it was natural that I, I think that way but what's everyone else picking all right let's look at the opposite and and sort of that disrupting you know mentality that I think businesses now have I had at a very young age and running it's funny it's become now everyone's sport it's, I call it every man and every woman's sport or people call it that now and it's very open and easy to get into but when you were young it wasn't the cool thing to do, right? It's your sport was everyone else's punishment, as as the shirt says. Right. Yeah, go run um, a few laps, <laughs> and it, it might very well still be that that the case for for a lot of folks as they get older. But just still something so pure and and easy about it that um, I look back at when I first started, and it really hasn't changed. Uh, I mean, it's still that; it's still easy to do, and and um, hard. But some folks might think it's hard to get into, but it's not the most difficult thing to to, to commit to. You mentioned something about, you know, when everybody's going in a certain direction, you kind of instinctively want to go in the opposite. Why do you think that is? Was that always the case growing up? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's something inside you or not. Um, I just... Uh, is that something that you maybe were looking at and, and, and observing from your parents or... It, it a little bit. I, I, I felt like my parents, you know, uh, were we're you know pretty straight straight edged and you know they don't drink they don't smoke they don't um they don't do a lot of uh a lot of uh, and i shouldn't say everyone what everyone else does but they they're they usually try try to take that more difficult path uh, if you will um with certain things and that may have has stuck with me a bit i don't know i i don't know where that came from i tend to to find myself uh regretting going down the different paths sometimes because it's like, all right, and that, there's a reason why this was different. You know? and, and, and sometimes the majority is right, you know, about certain things. But um, I don't know. I just, early, early on, I realized it, um, that I enjoyed doing that more than than doing what everyone else was doing. 
Are there any experiences that you feel shaped you the most? I think um, I learned a lot about this community through the Elian Gonzalez time. I, I was close to, uh, to Mayor Diaz um, shortly thereafter. So I was able to sort of appreciate what was coming from that. And, um, and it, it allowed me to kind of pay attention more to Miami for whatever reason that just gave, that experience just led me um, in, that, um, in that direction of, of just wanting to explore Miami more. And so uh, that, that was probably one of those experiences that shaped me. Another one, probably Hurricane Andrew. And, and here's why. Not so much because of everything, you know, that impacted as far as destruction and stuff, because that definitely traumatized me. And, and, and I lived at, um, I lived at Lakes of the Meadows at the time, and I saw the school next to us basically demolished, uh, you know, as a result of the storm and, you know, not going to class or school for three or four weeks and all that that came of it that certainly impacted us. But it was what we did with the garbage after that set the tone for the rest of my life, believe it or not. My neighbor and I were standing outside with a pile of ripped up screen, porches, debris, random things that were, were thrown out from people's houses as they were cleaning up after the storm. And it was around Halloween. And we thought to ourselves, it could be cool to use some of this stuff to build a haunted house. And so we built a haunted house after Hurricane Andrew, used to use it to raise some money. Uh, I forget what we gave the money to, something hurricane relief related. And people showed up to our neighborhood, you know, to this haunted house. It was in his, we did it in his garage. And um, we did it again the following year. We did it again. And I have pictures of a thousand people lined up in front of my parents' house where everyone started to get a little nervous. So, um, you know, without permits, without doing anything right, right? You know, it was a haunted house. And I thought, this is cool. I think I can, I, I want to be in events. I want to do this kind of stuff. So um, that experience definitely determined my career, I, I'd say. Wow. Where, where I just like just so that set throwing you events off, for people. <laughs> that set you off on the event track. Yeah, wow. yeah. What was it about events that kind of captured I, your... I like a little bit of the chaos that, you know, the the just the energy that's that's created when a lot of people get together for something. I mean, right, like who goes anywhere unless they know that a lot of people are going to be at it, right? Like very few people go to a restaurant unless a lot of folks know about it or go to it. Every so often, yeah, people, you know, people will try things without the crowd, but everyone wants to be where, and that's what Miami is, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the epitome of, of, of Miami. Um, and that energy definitely um, just fires me up. I, I love seeing that. And then I also like to see the actual interaction like with people. Like that was, I was a little too young to re realize this, but I think one of the things I did, or I do look back at and I'm like, I like this because the neighbors actually came out of their houses. And for two weeks we were building this thing and everyone was like, you know, out and about. In fact, the neighbors couldn't even park in front of their houses because we took over the road. It was a cul-de-sac. And so they would park at the end of the block. And so I, I don't know, I just liked people outside of their houses. And I've always liked this. My, I fight with my wife all the time. I, I'm like, I want that front of the house to be the back of the, you know, the, to be your backyard kind of thing. Along the way, obviously, you don't achieve success without stumbling a, uh, a few times or kind of coming up short a few times. Do you have any favorite failures of yours? And by that, I mean stuff that maybe at the time felt like a setback or, or a failure, but that later you realize set you up for better success or bigger things? 
I mean, it, obviously there's relationships that go, we can all point to that, that teach us a lot about ourselves. So I can, I can certainly point to that in, in, the, in my past without, without diving into it. I encourage people to, to learn from, from those, um, you know, moments in their lives. I'd have to say that, again, this goes a little bit to my bad, bad memory, but one point that I felt, um, you know, like I had failed at something, I, I dove into retail. I'm, I'm still part owner of a running store, but um, I sold my controlling interest in it and stuff. My heart wasn't into, into that. Um, I didn't know it well, but it, it seemed to make money. And that was probably one of those moments where I chased the idea of, of money. I mean, I, I love running shoes. So I got into the business of selling running shoes and two different things, right? Like, you know, there's folks that love race cars, but are you really into building them or selling them? That's right. different. You know, it's kind of the analogy that comes to mind now. And so it taught me a ton. I mean, I got two great partners through it, um, but we did it for about six years and it, it was okay, but it wasn't, it wasn't as successful. Obviously, you know, the Amazon days have, have hurt a lot of retail folks and it was a wrong time maybe for that too. But I look at that as, as, a, as a learning um, you know, point, because it wasn't as successful as I wanted it to be. Um, and then I'd say one more thing recently. What, before you move yeah, on, go. what do you think, what is it that you took away from that? The the lesson, I think, I mean, I grazed over it, but, you know, you, you, you've got to stick to the things that you're, the word passion gets used a lot, but that, um, you know, you wake up every day and you don't, you don't think twice about wanting to do, right? And I think most of us just kind of become robots and, they think they're not thinking about what they're about to do, but in reality, they're dreading it. And that's that's the same as thinking, right? You're like, oh, I gotta go do this again. And I felt like retail turned into that for me, but I did realize that I still enjoyed the connecting of folks through retail. So we started creating events. We started you know, a run club there. We started certain things that were back, drawing me back to where I really, really had passion for. And so I'm not passionate. People might, this sounds like blasphemy here. I'm not that passionate about running as a as a sport. I I, I love it. I, I'm I'm obsessed over trying to do it better and so forth. But I'm I was passionate just about people. Passionate about the connecting of people and retail just I, I tried to figure that out, but the retail at the time just wasn't um gonna pay you for that. And and some stores have actually figured that out now. And I think a lot of stores actually you can think of the biggest brands, including Nike, that are are realizing that you know what, if we're going to bring people into our stores, we better give them a people reason for. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's not yeah. just about what you're going to be able to buy there. It's about the community that you're going to be able to build, you yeah. know, within the store. That's, yeah. that's an incredible point. You were going to say something else. No, I would say recent, recent failure. I, I've never not been able to put on a race. I've always been able to figure out how to pull it off through bad weather, through different, different things. And, uh, we recently tried to pull off a, an event in Sarasota that, um, uh, at the last minute, the public officials just decided they were not, you know, going to be able to pull it off for us, gave us all sorts of excuses. And, and we failed at, at pulling, pulling off this event that had been around for over 15 years, Sarasota half marathon. So I think about that as a failure, just because I feel like we'd let down some of the runners. I can make up all sorts of excuses and blame it on the city, which it is their fault. But, um, but I failed one way or another, we failed at that. So, um, still failing, which is, which is fine. You know, make a lot of small mistakes and, and um, you know, the, you'll make less big ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to fail at enough things yeah. and then hopefully a few of those things pay off sure. more than enough to, to right. make up for, for the other failures. Yeah. Um, are there any quotes that you think of often that you try to live your life by? Two words, uh, don't stop. Uh, I think there's, uh, 
a whole lot that that one individual can do as long as they don't stop just moving themselves forward, just like by riding a bike, right? If if I stop pedaling, I'm gonna fall over. And it sounds so basic and elementary. I think I, I came up with that know, about 20 years ago almost. I, I just, I tell people all the time, like you've just been stopped for too long. Like you need to keep yourself moving. You know, folks that are looking for a job, like, yeah, you just, you stopped. You stopped going out. You stopped meeting people. You stopped exercising. You just got to keep moving. I, I have a problem. I don't say no to almost anyone. And and I think that has kind of embodies this whole don't stop thing, which is like, all right, I'll figure it out. I'll add an extra hour in the day and I'll, I'll get you that. I'm apologizing a lot of times because I get there late or don't return an email in time. But um, don't stop. And no, that's just something simple. It reminds me of this analogy once that I that I heard about a locomotive, right? Like everybody thinks about a locomotive as this unstoppable force. Momentum. But in reality, it's all about momentum. Right. If you get the locomotive before it starts moving, you could put a, you know, four inch block of wood in front of it. There. Not going anywhere. That's right. It's not unstoppable anymore. So as a family, new dad, how has life changed? I mean, I know how it changes, <laughs> but you know, with all the stuff that you've got going on, how has your outlook in life has it changed? How What's different? I think it's accelerated my concern for my local community. I, I don't know if I want uh, Paulina dealing with some of the things we're not dealing with now because what she's going to be dealing with and, and her friends and, and her kids are going to be dealing with is going to be pretty pretty darn big if we, if we don't uh, hit the brakes and, and it goes back to don't stop. But, you know, if we stop, you know, for a moment here to figure out... Um, uh, what we want Miami to to be, and I, I'm talking environmentally speaking. You know, some local some local issues that uh, we we need to address quickly. And and so my outlook on my local community has changed uh, drastically as a result. I go to a park and I see it differently. Um, before I used to complain about certain things about the park. Now I see it as to what it might look like in 20 years. So I I'm, I'm I guess I'm I give myself longer term per perspective on things. Um, before it was more immediate, like this needs to be fixed because right now it's a problem and I'm thinking about it. This needs to be fixed because it's going to be a bigger problem in 20 years. Um, so there's been that and obviously everything that comes with juggling time. I take my daughter like last last uh, month, found myself as a newborn dad running around, you know, with, a, you know, the baby strapped to me at, at a run club. You know, not the best image when you want to attract young people to to the run club, <laughs> but that's the kind, that's my new reality, right? Um, which is, which is fine. Um, so my wife and I have some pretty complicated schedules and, and, uh, just takes a little bit more planning, which as much as an event planner, I, I am, I try to on, on the, on the family side, I don't plan too well. Thankfully my wife does. So she's like, you need to, we need to get help tonight. We need to, somebody needs to watch over the baby. Um, I can't wait till she's, you know, people don't want this to be said often, but about their kids they are like, I can't wait till she's running around with me. Like, you know, kind of thing. They're like, no, she's good in the stroller. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I need her to move around with me. I need I, to be able to pass out a bottle of water. I want, you know? oh my God, I 100% <laughs> agree with you because like I've always, and I've always told this to my wife, like she, she loves the, the baby stage. <laughs> and for me watching, you know, Emmy, my first daughter, yeah. like when she hit that like three year old, yeah. like she started interacting, walking around, doing stuff. I feel like it's just getting better and better and better. Um, so 100% agree with you on like the, Man, like once once you and I can do this thing together, yeah. um, kind of fast forwarding a few years, talking about like having her run around with you. Are you picturing 
running her first 5k <laughs> or first marathon with you like talk to me what's going through your head i mean i i gotta be careful um imposing you know the passion for running or the passion for athletics because you know she may do what i did which is choose something different right right i'm hoping that she catches some of the the fire i have for just um wanting to make things better people better and connecting people and, and bringing people together um hope she catches some of the the fire for working hard but i i don't know if i picture exactly where she's she's gonna land or what she's gonna be doing um i just hope it's it's uh, something close to to home just because i I've gotten more sensitive in that in that regard. So if I find myself daydreaming is just worried about how quickly everything's gonna gonna unfold and uh, how fast uh, it all goes by without enjoying it and whatnot. So I, I do think about the amount of time I can give her because of how busy um you know my my life has historically been and maybe how unorganized I, I can be sometimes that affects the time I spend with her. I don't know. I I, I don't it's interesting. I do daydream, but I, I, I probably uh, daydream worrying a little bit more, right? Like it's, it turns into a little bit of, of a worry. Like, am I, am I going to be around for her difficult, you know, moments and stuff like that? Like my parents have been. So what's next for Frankie? You know, I, 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 I have a, a political, uh, I have some political aspirations. Um, they changed. Maybe that it, some of that perspective has been because of, um, of Paulina where I, I don't know if that's where my, my greatest impact will be, not just for her life, but for the community. So I have to figure that one out. And it also depends on, are are the players that are in office doing what they should be doing, uh, at least from 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 where I sit. And uh, and so timing on that might be 10 years from now, might be four years from now, I don't know. But I have that that uh, aspiration. Besides that, I, I, I want to continue mastering. I, I love coaching. I want to con con continue mastering that, how to motivate people, how to motivate people to be faster or, you know, do more. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't look too far out. I have, I have somewhat of a picture, but I don't look too far out. Um, like I said, I, I say yes so often that usually leads to the next project or the next thing, you know, and, and that next thing could be two weeks away. So I don't know. I don't, I don't really have that, that next big step yet. So switching to the Miami rapid fire segment, <laughs> what is your favorite food spot and dish I, I i like og's man this is a an italian um restaurant um out um near north bay village i don't know why i i've, I've been stuck on that i'm also not somebody that likes to try a bunch of new stuff <laughs> i'm a contradiction sometimes but that that's one of those things that i, I on food for, for that matter um uh I, I like OG's, uh, the consistency there, the food. I don't go as often as I'd like. I think I talk about it more than, than I actually uh, go go by there. But um, besides that, Joe's Joe's uh, takeaway. Just I don't know. I feel I feel very. I know I know that it's that that's a as Miami spot. as you can get. I know man. it's a very tourist <laughs> spot or whatnot in South Beach, but I I just feel like it's it's just so um, you know perfect and emblematic of of, of Miami. Um, and the key lime pie, you just, I'm a key lime yeah. pie guy. Like yeah. I rate my key lime pies and that one's always <laughs> the gold standard. And, you know, after that, uh, I think blue collar is probably the closest, um, key lime pie to that. Um, yeah, certainly, uh, not a, I don't consider myself a foodie. Like my wife, my wife's a dietitian. So you can imagine the struggle that, that I have, cause she loves to try new foods and new places. And, and I'm like, can we go back to the place that we just went to? <laughs> Because I, that's how I am. I, I, it's even with travel. I like to travel to the same places. 
um, if I like them. And uh, I'll go to Chipotle a hundred times. Like I'll go to Lime a hundred times. Like I'm that guy. Right. So you probably look at my credit card statement and you think, you know, that's <laughs> there's somebody at one of these <laughs> restaurants just rigging it up. Um, I, I do deliver lean. So my, my food gets delivered. If not, you know, if not, I go to those two or three other places. That's right. It. So when you're stuck in Miami traffic, <laughs> what are you listening to? When? How about always? Right? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I drive down US one every single day, and I go from the Grove to my office in the Falls. Um, so sit on US one. I feel like uh, I already have a self driving car. It drives. Feel I feel like it. And it I don't, but it, it's my it, it, it my knows. truck drives itself. Right. You know, at this point, down you get US1. you get to the office and you go, wait, did I actually drive myself? Yeah, today? that's the way it what? feels, man. I don't remember feels, driving. Yeah, feels like that, man. But uh, but no, I um, what are you listening to? Podcast, podcast, music? yeah, what uh, uh, every running podcast you can imagine. Okay. Um, I listen to because I, like I said, I'm a, I. I coaching side of me is just i want to i want to make uh myself better as a coach there so i'll listen to all that stuff i will listen to um this is going to be funny but um if there's a commission meeting on i'll whether it's a city of miami commission meeting or miami Dade county commission meeting or miami beach commission meeting uh whatever i can find that's on because they happen once a month so you there's a good chance one of them is on i'll let that play i also use air read i don't know if you ever use this it's an app that you can copy a link and it'll it'll read it to you. It sounds so simple, right? But um, I discovered that about a year ago. So I'll I'll uh, put a four or five links in there, and it just reads it to me, and it tells you how long it'll take to read, and you can change the voice of the person. So you can put a, a female, you can put a male, depends on what you're reading, you know. And uh, so articles a lot of times are easier to read that way or listen to that way. So I'll do that. Um, I don't know uh, other podcast, uh, anything Miami podcast. Really, I think there's like a Bird Road podcast that I have on my on my list every so often. I'll tune into that. Obviously, Miami creators. I'm, of course, I get. Of I, course, yeah. Come on, <laughs> that's that's on there now for sure. I, 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 that pings in there. Um, yeah, and a, a few of the other usual suspects, you know, Rich Roll and, and some of the other folks that that most people listen to. Is it true that I heard? I heard, and tell me if this is true, that you don't listen to anything while you're running. Yeah, I'm not. I I I. Here and there, I mean, I, I this is funny too. Jaybird is is a partner of mine, and and I'll put one pod in just because I ha I want to listen to the rest of Miami. Um, if I do listen to something, like it's a, I get a two hour run or an hour and a half run. Um, it'll be a podcast, okay. um, usually running related. Um, yeah, I don't really like to music. I I like all kinds of music. Uh, you know, not a great dancer, so. <laughs> I want to put that out there um, just because Frankie Ruiz is the rey de la salsa or something like that. And everyone right, confuses right. me with his music, um, but I can't sing and I can't dance. So I'll listen to EDM or something like that in the car here and there, but not running with it. That's, that's for sure. What's your favorite way to spend a Miami weekend? Favorite way to spend a Miami weekend? Um, the Everglades. Um, I, I'm obsessed over, if there's one thing I'm obsessed over is the Everglades. Like, there, I'm obsessed for a couple reasons. One, I don't think we we understand it as as locals the way we should. Actually, the Everglades just turned 72 years old. It, it, it's been around longer than that, but I mean, the the national park was ha, had its birthday the other day, 72 years. And in 72 years, even though it's a park, I don't think uh, enough Miamians visit it. And so, um, any chance I get to visit it, I'll post about it or I'll say something about it. I'll drive to Fakahatchee Strand, which is about a 70 minute drive from downtown Miami. Um, I'll drive to Long Pine Key, which is um, uh, in the heart of, of uh, the Everglades. This, this, 
is not what I do every weekend. But if I had like a weekend that was going to be, you know, uh, a Miami centered weekend, I'd love to take another group because we did this already once, but take another group down to the southernmost point of uh, the, the mainland US, which is um, Cape Sable and hike or run to it. That experience to me was like, I just fell in love with Miami again. I, th I thought to myself, we live so close to this stuff. And if the Everglades isn't isn't available because you're not going to do this in June, July, August, September. So it depends what time of the year. I should have asked you that. Uh, the water and paddle boarding out in the bay or maybe a friend with a boat. Yeah, something to do with, with the bay because that's another underappreciated asset of, of Miami. Any other Miami businesses or people that you would like to kind of give a little bit of a shout out? You think they're doing amazing things for the community or just you kind of admire them for one reason or another? I, I think I'd get in trouble if I, if I answered this one because there's so, so many people, I, and I mentioned a lot of them during the, the show. There's a lot of folks that, um, that do a lot uh, for, that trust in me to do a lot with, with their either finances or, um, or their, their help in some way or another. I don't know, I, Miami Foundation's definitely high on, on the list of, of organizations that are doing things right. You know, I, I, I don't want to answer with something negative, but I think a lot, a lot more elected officials um, need to fall in love with Miami and, and do things uh, with, with the right intentions for Miami. So I, I, I don't want to get into any current uh, elected positions, but, you know, I think there's a lot of well-intentioned folks and they got to keep... Um, you know, working, working hard for, uh, uh, for the city. Um, I will give a shout out to now speaking about, um, folks that make a difference in Miami. We deal with a lot of cops in Miami and their work goes underappreciated. Um, I think, uh, they, they do us a, a whole lot of, a whole lot of good in our events and, um, they know the city better than most folks do. Uh, so the, the cops are certainly someone to recognize, Anything else that we didn't touch on that you maybe want to kind of speak a, uh, speak about a little bit? I don't know. I, I, my uh, message to everyone out there in Miami is, uh, given that it is seen as such a transient place, I, I think it's changing a little bit in that regard, or at least we'd like to think it's changing. Pay attention more to your local um, government work. Um, I know it's not the most fun thing to do, but we, we tend to focus a lot on what's happening on the national stage and and we don't um, press enough on the buttons locally. I think we, we need to because some of the most impacting uh, decisions are happening at City Hall across the street from your, you know, your work or, or your, your house. I would say that that is something that, that I can't stress enough. You know, pay, pay attention to that. Invest in others, especially young younger folks. I, I'm hoping that, you know, um, you know, people take something like the run club and, and expand it to, to younger people. I mean, nobody's going to want to come to, you know, an 18 year old is not going to want to come to a, a 41 year old led uh, run club. So uh, I'm, I'm hoping that, that there's maybe some folks out there that are a little younger than me, that they start their own uh, movements that, uh, that uh, cater to the young people. Unless that 41 year old smokes them. <laughs> right yeah, that's, the yeah that's true. That's true. I can, I can still, I can still beat most, uh, most 18 year olds, but um, yeah, there's, there's a, uh, whole lot more that I think we need to do to get our, our young folks to love Miami. Um, you know, I think about Alberto uh, Carvalho as a, as a superintendent and, and the fact that he, he seemingly has shown the, you know, the kids of, of the Dade County schools to, to love and, and, and know about everything that's happening, whether it was just school related or not. And I think we need to do more of that, you know, teach people, 
uh, teach kids about the history of Miami and 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 uh, short history. So it's not that hard to you know to, to right. teach, but but it's an interesting one and and hopefully one that uh, that we can learn from. Um, so yeah, and, and supporting groups like you know like or work like yours, man. There's not enough people telling these these stories uh, out there. So um, I don't know. That's, uh, that's all I got. Frankie, anything that you want to kind of make sure you mention to the listeners in terms of races coming up, things, way, best ways to connect with the run clubs, the, the marathon, anything else that you have going on, important dates, best way to get a hold of you, <laughs> anything. The mic is yours. Uh, well, I'll start at the end. If you want to get a hold of me, I think it's pretty easy. Just, um, you know, be patient. I'll get, I'll get back to you at some point. Uh, I still have that 10 month old that, that takes a, uh, you know, <laughs> Uh, a bulk of my time, but um, you can get a hold of me through social media, through any of the Instagram uh, accounts that I manage, uh, Brickle Run Club, South Beach, uh, any of the run clubs out there, um, Facebook as well still. And um, I think my cell phone's all over the place, so you can you can find that too. Uh, and then uh, I'd invite you guys to to come experience one of uh, Miami's, uh, Miami's best um, uh, events, which is the, the Lifetime Miami Marathon, which is held in February, February 9th. It's it's a celebration of everything that makes Miami. Um, that that day we become extraordinarily hospitable. We're um, we're generous with various charities that get involved that that uh, that day. We have close to I don't know fifty sixty charities that that benefit from the event. Uh, we need spectators out there, much like you need listeners, right? Always, right? Runners benefit from having spectators. Uh, people enjoy doing that. I've got uh, I've got another event. Um, I'm I'm close to um, helping out the, this new event uh, with the Three Kings Parade that's in January. There's a 5K that's happening uh, that uh, that same uh, day. Um, after that, a very local race that I encourage uh, your listeners to take part in is the 305 Half Marathon. Very local, uh, centered with the entertainment, with the amenities we provide to the runners that day, and um, you get a medal that's a three and a zero and a five for being part of the series. Um, yeah, those are, those are some of the, the bigger events, superintendents, 5k coming up. That's a big one with, uh, Alberto Carvalho been involved with him for a bit through that. Um, live like Bella 5k. I mean, I can go on. There's a laundry list of, of, of events, um, that I'm involved with. I think probably touch about 20 different, um, 5ks and, and races wings for life world run happening at, uh, um, what is that in May as well? So a lot a lot going on i'll definitely make sure to link to all <laughs> oh, of gosh. those events and everything on the show notes uh as well as everything else that we talked about frankie thank you so much man and thank, thank you, you for everything uh, that you're doing thank you don't stop hey guys this is corrado again two quick things before you take off one remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at miamicreators.com and two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.